Beloved, this morning, our message is based on the life of one of the biblical heroes that the Bible enlists. I went to Hebrews 11 to see if his name was there, but it was not. His partner was. And it is interesting to understand what happened to this man. What, what was it about him that he was so different than so many others? And I want to make some analogies out of his life that will challenge us today in the purpose of the message of this morning. Please bear in mind that when our time together is over and is done, I pray that two things will be very clear in your mind. Number one, God is starting a process in you and in me especially to change the paradigm, to change the paradigm of our thinking, our culture as a church. God wants to just turn it upside down and give us a complete new one, a complete new understanding of what our church life will look like by His grace as a process of growing in Christ and understanding His Word, His message for us. Number two, that by understanding the vision He wants to give us, that we will then all, the church body, all the church disciples, I'm doing my best to not use the word church members, but instead, disciples of Jesus. Amen? You see, the word membership, as good as it is, it has a negative connotation uh, inherited on it. You know, you're a member. You know, like a club. And all you have to do is just be a member. That's it. Membership does have some privileges and requirements. But that is not emphasized oftenly. So today, I pray that as a disciple of Christ, you will be impressed by the Holy Spirit through His Word, through the life of the biblical hero we're going to be looking into today to be moved into action and service for the Lord. I invite you now to turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers. In the Old Testament, let's go to the book of Numbers, and specifically in the 13th chapter. The book of Numbers describes there about our biblical hero that is mentioned here in Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to begin reading in verse 26. Numbers 13, beginning in verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the Lamb. Let's make a pause here for just a moment. 
Let's get in context. This is the story when the 12 spies come back after 40 days spying the land. And now they come with a report. And all the congregation comes back. Excitement was there. People were wanting to know how did it go? How did it went for those 40 days when you went from the south to the north and then came back from that land? What is the report? How does it look like? Is it going to be possible? Will we be able to conquer the land and come in and possess it? And there we have that first portion, that first verse, 26, describing the whole, all the congregation got together and these 12 men showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, then they told him, there's Moses, and said, we went to the land where you sent us. We follow your instructions. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Do you remember the fruit? There were three basic things that came. Number one, grapes. Now, those grapes were unique. You just don't carry on a plastic bag like when you go to, uh, to Walmart or when you go to wherever you go for groceries. It required how many people to carry it? Two. It required two men. It, I guess they got a stick and they got the stick in between those grapes, hold them there together and brought them all the way from the land. And here it is. Here is evidence. Here is the fruit, the form of these grapes. These grapes must have been what we call today jumbo grapes. Would that be correct? They were jumbo. Definitely they were big. It required two men, not one, but two, to carry them. What else did they bring? Oh, pomegranate. There you are. And one more thing. Oh, figs. How many of you like figs? Okay, not too many hands, but I'm glad you did, those of you who did. I challenge you, look for figs. They are rich in fiber. Very good for your digestive system. Introduce that into your diet. I invite you to consider that very seriously. It was part of that diet, okay? They're not easy to find. You might even have to go to the internet and order them. There might be there and some in the store, but they're kind of hard to find. But if you try hard, you can find anything online today. Okay, so there's the fruit. They brought it. It was great. They are rejoicing because, yes, the fruit, I mean, the land is what you said it would, what God said it would be. A land that it flows with milk and honey, grapes, pomegranate, also fig trees are there all over. We brought some of the fruit. It is true. God said what he said, and it is true. He did not lie to us. Verse 28, nevertheless, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, who were these people? 
Oh, giants. Can you imagine everyone looking like Shaquille O'Neal? I mean, that was, the, that was the shortest guy among them. They were giants. That was their impression. They were big. They were giants in the land. Um, not only that. It goes on to say, verse 29, The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. For a moment, after that good report of the land, how it looked like, how it produces all that fruit, now they decided to put emphasis on the negative. And you know the story. They focus on the negative. The giants live there. There's no way we could go in there because they're giants. They're all over the place. And God uses our hero here. He comes in for the first time in the report. And he kicks in right there, verse 30. Then Caleb, seeing the disastrous that it was taking place right before his eyes, we're supposed to come back and say, yes, the land that God said that flows milk and honey and pomegranate and figs and grapes, we're supposed to go in and possess it. Now that he's seen the negative effect of the report on the people, he comes in and he says, Brethren, uh, then Caleb quieted. Say, please hear me. He quieted the people. He raised his hand before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Notice the first statement that he makes. Let us go how soon? At once. How much time does it take to do something at once? It's kind of hard to measure it, right? It means get up and go. It's like right now. Some people say yesterday. That's just a way to say right now. There's no literal or symbolical interpretation. It's right now. At once we can go and possess. That's Caleb's fourth statement there. Caleb's first statement. Let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome Ten decided to say, forget it. When they heard Caleb trying to turn the tide, people were very happy when they heard the first part. Now their faces, the body language start changing. They shrank and they're putting their hands on the head and say, oh no, what have we got ourselves into? Verse 31. But then, but the men, the other ten who had gone up with him, said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. 32, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land 
which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours the inhabitants. Now, they made this up. When, when you focus on the negative, the mind can really get creative, you know. Have you ever heard how gossip works? It's the same thing. Once gossip gets going, there is no limit, no end to how bad it can go. When a bad report goes out, lots of things could be added to it that it will cause such negative effect that it will just paralyze people. Their minds, their emotions, their thinking, everything that is positive evaporates from their mind. Yes, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, now it's not only that they're giants, but the land itself, which we have gone out as spies, is a land that devours the inhabitants. It was a lie too. It was a contradiction aside from the lie. Because if the land devour or swallow its people, how do they get back? Can you see it? It was a lie. They really got into the negative mode and that really was not working well. It devours the inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And finally, verse 33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight as well. Disastrous. It's, it's, it's unbelievable what can happen. I want to bring before you something that God told the Israelites even from the days of Abraham. The Lord spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, in chapter 12 of Genesis, my intent is to bless all the families of earth in you and through you and through your descendant. There was a specific descendant of Abraham through which God wanted to descend all people. And you go to the book of Galatians and it specifically is mentioning that Jesus is that from the lineage of Abraham through whom he wanted to bless the entire world. And I will give to you and to your descendants this land that you are in right now. But before that, for over 400 years, your descendants will be in Egypt. After that, I will raise one that will lead them out and bring them to this land again. Very shortly after the people of Israel left Egypt, they were in the border. And while they're at the border, the spies are sent, they come back, and exactly what the Lord told them was what they brought back, the report. The land truly is a good land. Lots of fruit. We're not going to starve. It's not a desert. 
All of it. There are some portions, but it's a good land. Food can work there, and the Lord is calling us to possess it. Dear friends, Israel thought, the people of Israel thought that it was their job to conquer the land. It was their belief that it was their job to do that. And that's why when they hear the report about the giants, how are we going to fight those giants? How are we going to deal with them? How are we going to go in? You see, these men, the ten men, having entered upon a wrong course, stubbornly set themselves against Caleb and Joshua, and against Moses, and against God. This is the tragedy about this scenario of what's taking place there. They thought it was their job to conquer them. And yes, there were people there. There was the sons of the descendants of Anak. But they focused on that like it was their job to do the conquering and taking the land. And now not only against Caleb, not only against Joshua, but against God. Every advanced step rendered them more determination. They will resolve to discourage all effort to gain possession of the land. They distorted the truth in order to sustain their influence. And today, beloved, when men yield their hearts to unbelief, they place themselves under the control of Satan. This is sad. When men yield their hearts to the unbelief, they place themselves under the control of Satan. And none can tell to what length he or she will lead them. Now, for some reason, I pray this is not in no one's mind here today. But in case it was, I hope it goes off today. That it is your job or my job to conquer Nina, Menasha, Appleton for Christ. I hope you understood what I just said, so I'm going to repeat it. I hope no one here comes to to the conclusion or is in with the conclusion in his or her mind that it is your job to conquer for Jesus Nina, Menasha, and Appleton. Because if that is your understanding, you will be discouraged. You will be discouraged. How are you going to do that? You're going to see too big the police, although Kevin is our chief there, but you'll see them too big. You will see too big the civil authorities. You will see too big the business people in this place. They're going to be giants to you. How am I going to reach them? I've been told that Mr. Bergstrom lives in Nina. Who's going to reach that guy? 
and, and your imagination is going to go that way. This is impossible. And I pray that today you will listen to Caleb when he said, at once, let's go and take possession of the land because that was their job, just to take possession. Their job was not to go and fight and conquer. God promised that he would do this for them. All they had to do is present themselves before their enemies, and God will use bees. He will use sounds, hail, everything in nature, whatever he wanted to use to get people. They have filled up the cup of their iniquity. It was not their job to do the work of conquering. That was God's job. And the same today. I am beginning to understand why God took the risk to invite me to lead out in this congregation. He's going to test me. He's going to test you. If we're going to take him at his word and say, Lord, we don't know. We have no clue. We know that there are men and women in this place of Nina, Menasha, Appleton, and Oshkosh, and Fond du Lac, and the surrounding Fox cities. They are looking to heaven. We don't know how, but we know that the victory is of the Lord. Amen? Not only the victory, he will use you and me in ways that is not the way you and I thinking that we're going to conquer their hearts for Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. God is already ahead of us by days, weeks, and years working in minds and people's hearts. And he's counting on you and me to ask him the same what Elijah asked for his servant. Lord, open his eyes. Open my eyes, open your eyes, so that we would see the people, men and women, boys and girls, that he's working on with already, and he's inviting you and inviting me to just extend a hand of friendship, of love, and tell them, yes, you can be reconciled with Jesus. You can become part of his kingdom. You can be part of his family. It's not your job to convert them. It's not your job to change their minds. But to be there and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. What you're going to do, I don't fully understand. But I'm trusting you that you will use this vessel of clay to do the work you call me to do. And now, I'd like to invite you to turn to right there, Numbers chapter 14. The story continues. So that we can better understand what took place there. The book of Numbers chapter 14, we're going to read in verse 6 through 9. And here we find the second element that God is bringing to our attention. 
the word of God tells us, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of... I'll leave that for you to read. Who are among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. You understand what this means, right? Take your jacket and tore it. Lord, you know how much this cost? I pray that doesn't cross your minds and mine. But the Lord is asking us today to tore our hearts, not our garments. If you and I can think that the people that live in Nina can continue living their lives, and you and I just watch. That they're giants, that we can't do nothing. Actually, they're going to eat us up. The land, as soon as we step out of here, we're not safe anymore. The land, the place is going to eat us up. Joshua and Caleb, they're there. They gave the report when they saw that they were mentioning that, yes, there was good fruit, there was milk, honey, it's great. But when, when they saw the emphasis on the giants and the negativity that they could not take it, let's go back. They said, no, wait, wait. They tore their clothes. They tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation, says verse 7, of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. They emphasize it again. It is a good land. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us. It's going to be Him, not you. Don't worry about the giants. That is God's challenge. He knows how to take care of that. And yes, the Lord is making it clear to us that land is a good land. And if He delights in us, the Lord will take us in. Yes, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. I like it better in the Spanish translation. It says, we will eat them like bread. To me, it's more fun. It's more challenging. It's our bread. Bread is to eat. But it says, we will eat them like bread. How hard it is to eat bread. You tell me. It's not hard at all. All you have to do is open the mouth and close it. That's it. We'll eat them like bread. Yes. Their emphasis there is very positive. They're, they're leaving it and encouraging the people to look at it from God's perspective. Yes. Not only, please do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. They are scared to death. What they have heard, how God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty arm, has got them all scared. We saw it. They are scared of us. They are worried about us. 
what we might do to them or our God do to them. Yes, their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Beloved, the second element here that we find is that promise. The Lord will give it to us. Let's go at once. The Lord will give it to us. And now the guarantee of it. Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 14. Now, we know the story. What happened? They came to the land. They're very quick. Less than a year. They're there by the borders of the promised land. And now because they rejected God, rejected the leadership that God had established. They did not believe that he would bring them in. The Lord decides now turn back to the desert. Turn back to the wilderness. And for every day that you went to spy the land, it'll be one year that you will be going around the wilderness. Brethren, if you look carefully, those two chapters of Numbers, and if you read from the pen of inspiration, the ten spies that gave the negative report, a plague came over them, and they died before the whole congregation. Now God had their attention. But they were not really repented about it. So they said, Lord, okay, we know we have done wrong. Let's go. Let's do it now. And they said, Lord, we're going to go now. Yes, let's go. And they did go. But before they left, Moses told them, where do you think you're going? You have not prayed about it. God is not with you. The Ark of the Covenant is not going with you. I am not going with you. Where is this idea that you're going to do it now? Forget about you, Moses. We're going in. And they were going uphill. Where the Amalekites were waiting for them. Over 14,000 of them died. Unnecessarily. All they had to do was just turn around and go back. It seems... It seems strange. It, it, it seems like, what's wrong with God? He's not being a loving God. He's not being that merciful. He's not that cute, nice, awesome God that we're accustomed to here. His instructions were, turn around and go back. For each day, one year, you will spend in the wilderness. And everybody from 20 years up, will die in the desert. Precisely what you accuse of God of is going to be your own prophecy. You're going to lay down. You're going to die there. And your children that you said to Moses, they're going to be killed by them. They're going to be the ones who's going to see the land and are going to go in and possess it. So, What will it take 
for this body of believers, starting with me, to believe that God has, continues, will continue to lead you and me as a body of believers in the conquering of these box cities for his kingdom. It's going to be something that we're not aware of, not familiar with, not even like it or accustomed to it, but he will use men and women like you, like Caleb, to possess this place and have the joy to see that miracle happen before you. Joshua chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of, you remember, the Kenesite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow it the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me Alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke these words to me, to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. Wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to be retired when you're 85? At 85, you're supposed to be retired. And here is this man saying, no, he wants to continue. And now, verse 10, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. I'm sorry, 11. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out 
and for coming in. 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of this gentleman, as an inheritance. 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of this gentleman, his father, the Kenesite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. My dear friends, the word of God makes it very plain that what God has set before you, what God has set before me today, is what you find there in those two chapters of Numbers, where it mentions that there was a different spirit in Caleb. It's all about what the Spirit of God will do in your life and in my life to understand that it is through obedience to God's instructions in His Word and the desire to be used by Him because He calls not those that are equipped, but He will equip those that He called to do the task, the mission that He's bringing to us. I can't think of any more simple ways to declare to you that God intends to reach this community for His kingdom. And your and my responsibility is very simple. To believe and obey. Trust and obey that He will do this through you and through me because of His power because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because we decided to do like Caleb, obey him with all his heart, and trust that he will do this work in ways that are beyond. It is not for us to decipher them or to understand them completely, but to follow and obey with all of our hearts. I pray that you will accept heaven's invitation to conquer the Fox Cities, for Jesus and His eternal kingdom. May God bless you to this end, is my prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that next time that we are invited by you to sing this song, the body language in every one of us will be different than the one we just exhibit in your presence. It was just a typical 
like me, Laodicean. But you have promised that your Holy Spirit will do an answer to the prayer of those of your children. And I pray that that will mean every one of us here today that you will make that miracle in my life, in my brother's and sister's life. May we not be the same. May we look and examine our lives, our patterns, our behaviors, and ask you to completely change them. We do not like change. We don't even want to think about it. But we're asking you to do that. It's very risky for us. But we thank you that we can trust you. Because you are faithful to your promises. And you started a work in us and you will finish it. We're just giving you permission to accelerate the process. So that you can use your children here. To be what you want us to be. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. And thank you for starting this process right here, right now, today. In Jesus' precious name, we all say, Amen.